A little positivity. Warm greetings and welcome. I'm grateful that you're tuning in to the inaugural episode of Joyfully You Life with Dr. Petrina Clark. In today's episode, I'll share a bit about me, my personal journey, and my hopes for this podcast. Like many Americans born in the South, I come from a very close-knit family. My cousins and I grew up more like siblings, and there remains a very strong bond between us. My grandfather was an amazing influence and an incredible strong presence in our lives. He was a preacher's kid, a gentleman, husband, father, devout Christian, and incredibly loving grandfather. His smile would light up a room, and his hugs could melt a glacier. While he transitioned almost 20 years ago, he remains one of my absolute favorite humans to have ever lived, with memories of him bringing a soft smile to my face and a warmth to my heart. As amazing and incredible as my granddad was, I attribute the strength and permanence of our family's bond to our matriarchs. My grandmother passed away on my mother's birthday, just shy of my second birthday. So while I don't have any memories of her, I've reveled in the memories shared by my mom, my aunts, and our extended family. From their shared stories, I feel a deep sense of connection to and pride in the woman she was. My Aunt Betty, who is now our family's matriarch, reminded me that my Aunt Ruth, the oldest of my mother's sisters, was born on March 17th, so it feels especially fitting that I unknowingly chose her birthday as the launch date for my podcast. I remember my Aunt Ruth as a vibrant, fierce, and incredibly funny woman whose company I enjoyed so much. In fact, as a kid, I was always more interested in what the grown folks were talking about than what the kids were doing. I remember many times at family gatherings, which happened almost weekly when I was younger, trying to make myself really small, hoping they wouldn't notice me so I could listen in on their conversations. But invariably, one of my aunts, usually my Aunt Betty, or my mom would spot me and make me go play with the kids. Like many childhoods, mine was filled with a complete array of experiences, from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. And like yours, my life has been filled with triumphs and tragedies, joy and sorrow, comebacks and setbacks. The place where I have squarely landed is that I can call it all joy. I have learned to connect the dots between seeming unrelated events and to wait for the big reveal when something doesn't work out the way I think it should. I think that comes with maturity, which can be a function of time. Now, to be clear, depending on the day, you may not get the full and complete version of the evolving Petrina. I have a saying that I'm spiritual, but I cuss a little. I say it with a chuckle, but it's absolutely true. During this inaugural episode of Joyfully You Life, I hope to give you a sense of who I am and my heartfelt desire for this podcast. My hope is that after listening, you will feel like you know me a bit better and you will be curious about how the episodes will unfold and evolve. In time, my hope is that this will be a space of express sharing and caring that adds a bit more joy to the planet. So first, a bit about me. I am a self-described queen of a thousand flowers blooming. I used to feel bad about this because others didn't necessarily see it as the most effective way to get things done. 
While the shortest path between two points is absolutely a straight line, my path between two points is very loopy with lots of points on the page. And as I reflect back over coaches and mentors who wanted to help me rein myself in, in part because I was expressing a desire to be reined in, I almost laugh out loud at what an impossible challenge I'd given them. I no more wanted to be reined in than a wild stallion wants to be saddled and fenced. And as I've allowed myself to run, to just be, I have finally come to the beautiful place of self-acceptance, self-appreciation. Finishing up my doctorate in 2018 was a giant leap forward on that journey to self-acceptance, of finally getting to a place where I could exhale and stand proud in a moment. Until that point, there had been so much noise in my head about who I should be and what I should be doing. Expectations were high, and I suppose justifiably so. I was a National Merit Achievement Scholar who went to the University of Texas at Austin on full academic scholarship in the School of Engineering, and I'd always done exceptionally well in school. But I dropped out of UT after only a year and went to work for the federal government. The next 20 years were a blur, with my pursuing promotions and advanced certifications almost in defiance to show that I would live my life on my own terms. Almost 20 years to the day I left UT, I finally finished my undergraduate degree and then immediately went on to complete my master's. What I realized on the other side of getting my master's is that I'd spent a lot of time rebelling against my own destiny. And as the robotic aliens in Star Trek proclaimed, resistance is futile. And that's especially true when it comes to destiny. I recently shared with a colleague that when I hear others read my bio to introduce me, it's a little embarrassing, and I'm always eager for the reading to end. I think it's a little embarrassing because the majority of those accomplishments were about my desire to be validated and accepted by others. And let me tell you, there was a lot of external validation seeking going on. I have graduate certificates from Harvard, Cornell, and Georgetown. I intentionally chose GW for my doctorate because of its prestigious reputation. Well, that, and I also wanted to experience commencement on the National Mall. I pursued coaching certifications through the Neuroleadership Institute and the Chopra Center because of their highly acclaimed reputations. And I need some science with my woo-woo. Thankfully, there is a beautiful and divine alignment to my life, as is true for all of us. I am especially grateful to be at a place where I can be intentional about what I choose to do next and be open to allow events to unfold in their own perfect timing. I am more and more releasing the illusion of control and feel no external pressure for my life to be anything other than what it is and will be. This last decade has been especially impactful. 2010 was a very rough year. I was going through a challenging time on the job and my almost seven-year marriage was falling apart. In October 2010, my now ex-husband told me he didn't want to be married anymore. I can't say this came as a total surprise because earlier that year, he'd proposed a trial separation and we even went house hunting for where I would live during this time. Given what I know about the faultiness of memories, I won't spend much time on the nuances and details. Even though it wasn't a surprise, the finality in his voice was a shock to my system. I moved out of the waterfront house we had designed and built together and began trying to get my bearings. 
To the outside world, I seem to have quickly moved on and landed on my feet. As we all know, appearances can be deceiving. And over the years, I'd learned to be a master of deception when it came to how I was really feeling. During those first few months after we separated, it often felt like I was having an out-of-body experience. At the same time, I was being perfectly supported on my healing journey. I was and am a huge Eric Benet fan. And as fate would have it, he launched a 30-city tour with Fantasia that November. Of the 30 tour dates, I made it to 22 concerts. Yep, I said 22. My girlfriends were actually planning an intervention, but it was the perfect therapy. It was during that tour that I had many moments of feeling childlike joy. I had hours driving alone in my car, processing my thoughts and emotions. I got to meet Eric and made friends that remain a part of my inner circle. It was the best of times, carrying me gently through one of the worst of times, and it's a time I am forever grateful for. I still think the world of my ex. He is hands down one of the most brilliant, accomplished men I know. I am grateful for all of the amazing experiences we had together and proud of the man he is. And while our journey together was only for a while, it lasted exactly the amount of time it was supposed to for both of us to get what we needed from our travels together. And that is evidenced by both of our living our absolute best lives and being genuinely happy for one another's happiness and well-being. After coming off tour with Eric and the band, I decided I should start thinking about what I was going to do next professionally. I'd resigned from my government job during this time and registered my consulting firm as a limited liability company. Things started out great, and I was overjoyed that I seemingly had made the right decision to leave government. I say seemingly because judgments about whether a decision is right or wrong are tricky propositions at best. I was working regularly on projects I loved and growing increasingly comfortable that I could actually financially support myself outside of a regular nine to five. I was pursuing coaching certifications and really working on establishing my firm as a viable woman in minority owned small business. As part of my portfolio, I created a workshop and coaching program in 2013 called the Joyfully You Experience. Working on that was pure bliss for me. The more hours I spent working on it, the more alive I felt. But the government consulting work was really starting to pick up. In fact, in 2014, my firm was awarded its first million-dollar contract with the government. Recognizing that something had to give, I let go of Joyfully You. After all, that was the practical and seemingly more lucrative thing to do, given my almost 25 years working in the federal government. Plus, people were sort of giving me the side eye when I talk about joyfulness and mindfulness in the workplace. I remember teaching a seminar on mindfulness at Georgetown to a group of executive MBA students. That session was met with blank stares and obvious impatience. What a difference a few years makes, as I'm now fortunate to lead mindful meditation sessions at work twice a week. Things were actually pretty amazing for a couple of years after I decided to focus on the more traditional consulting firm offerings. The work flowed effortlessly. That is, until it didn't. There were a couple of very challenging years where my expenses far outweighed my revenue. Honestly, I was almost constantly planning for the inevitable failure of my firm, and I spent a lot of energy worrying about what others would think about my failure as a business owner. 
I was feeling very contracted, afraid, and anxious. Not the best emotional states for generating ideas for how to handle the challenges I was facing. So, in true Katrina fashion, I looked for something to distract me. And in the searching, I rediscovered my affection for the teachings of Deepak Chopra. I've long considered Deepak my spiritual guru, and this feeling was deepened when a soulmate introduced me to some of the fundamental principles of Hinduism. As a preacher's kid raised in a missionary Baptist church in Texas, I loved the soulfulness of the music ministry, but often had questions about some of the sermons and teachings, and I absolutely hated being yelled at from the pulpit. So, when I was introduced to Hinduism, and began studying other world religions, I was elated to learn how many similarities there were among the stories. And I was even happier with the knowledge that we are all indeed more alike than we are different. That is at least until our egos get involved and we insist on making distinctions and declaring something or someone better than another. In rediscovering my affection for Deepak, I was led to a weeks-long seminar formerly called Perfect Health at the Chopra Center in Carlsbad, California. I went to Perfect Health in January 2018 to spend a blissful week in endless sunshine and having daily meditation, yoga, healthy meals, massage, and well-being teachings. I remember coming back from Perfect Health feeling like my life had truly been saved. I even said so to friends and family. I had been spiraling, struggling against the circumstances of my life, creating problems in my mind that had not yet materialized. I bounced back and forth between scenarios of I'm doomed and it just has to turn out okay. The back and forth was physically, emotionally, and psychologically exhausting. While at the retreat, I released a lot of stuff. One of the most important being the pressure of trying to make something happen and feeling like I had to have all the answers. Instead, I practiced just taking a wait and see approach. I know that probably doesn't sound super positive, but it's not always about being positive. Instead, it's about making incremental improvements from one emotional state to another. If you one day woke up and realized you weren't happy with your present weight and resolved that you were going to lose 20 pounds, it would be a process. You couldn't just get up the next day and start lifting heavy weights and doing 60 minutes of cardio every day. That analogy is perfect for thinking about how to make incremental improvements to your emotional well-being. Just as you would increase weights and the duration of your workout to reach your weight loss goals, you can reach for better feeling thoughts as you improve your emotional state. As I found myself feeling better, with some days definitely easier than others, the external circumstances of my life also changed. I hadn't really connected the dots on all of the events over the last couple of years until I started working on this episode of the podcast. In going back over emails and text messages, I saw that about a year after returning from perfect health, things had dramatically improved personally and professionally. I believe so deeply in the practices I've learned through the Chopra Center that I completed my certification as a Chopra Center meditation instructor in 2019, and I'm now actively pursuing certification as a Chopra Center well-being coach. Many spiritual teachings reinforce the idea that situations and circumstances present teachable moments. My significant takeaway from my most impactful life lessons is that all things work for my highest and greatest good, 
always and in all ways. Rather than forcefully moving myself in a particular direction or struggling against a circumstance in my life, I more often now approach them with a calm knowing that everything is a divine order and allow events to unfold in their own way and in their own time. This, of course, doesn't mean being passive. Rather, it means waiting for clarity about what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. If I'm not clear, I found it's best to just be still and know that the answers are making their way to me. I think one of the most exciting things about this podcast is creating space to share teachable moments that inspire hopefulness, peacefulness, and yep, joy. As I mentioned, I launched the Joyfully You experience in 2013, but set it aside for the lure and familiarity of working with the federal government. But it had felt like my life's purpose, and the farther away from it I got, the less fulfilled I felt. And not coincidentally, the more chaotic and uncertain my life became. Going to that Chopra retreat in 2018 reconnected me with the divine knowledge that my life has a purpose. The beginning of each Chopra silent meditation asks four powerful soul questions. Who am I? What do I want? What is my purpose? Or asked another way, how do I serve? And finally, and perhaps most importantly, what am I grateful for? I promise you that if you spend a few minutes every day in silence with your attention in your heart, asking these four questions, your soul will speak to you. The answers may appear spontaneously, or as was my case, come gradually over time. The last year has provided opportunities for all of us to slow down and isolate. I live alone with two chihuahuas, so I've had lots of time to reflect and connect with my personal why. Here's a quick PSA. Being a part of something bigger than ourselves is perhaps the easiest and most rewarding way to live a life of purpose. Volunteer and be active with causes that hold special meaning for you. Connect and serve with other like-minded souls to find your tribe. And check in periodically on your energy level to assess whether your service and connections are supporting you with showing up more fully more often. There are two fundamental ideas that are the bedrock of Joyfully You. First and foremost, you are perfect exactly the way you are for where you are in your life right now. That fundamental truth gives you permission to be compassionate, loving, forgiving, and nurturing to yourself as you continue on your evolutionary journey, which brings me to the second idea. Every day presents a new opportunity to be a more perfect version of your already perfect self and to live a life that is perfect for you. We spend so much of our lives judging and being judged. While each of us is the sole architect of what it means to live our best lives, I think we can gain insights and inspiration from the stories of others. While there is no one-size-fits-all approach to life, we can be energized and encouraged by hearing about the remarkable breakthroughs others have experienced. And that is what I hope this podcast will be for you, a source of inspiration and insights, of wonderful energy and encouragement. And that, friends, brings us to the end of our time together for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. In closing, I want to wish my Aunt Ruth a happy heavenly birthday. We still speak your name with deep love and appreciation for the woman you were. 
I want to thank my incredible team for getting us to this space. And a special thank you to my friend Eric for the perfect song for this podcast. I wish for each of you a life filled with joy overflowing. Until next week, be joyfully you. Full of joy, fully you. I live.